You are listening to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate researching superannuation engagement. Your Money Story is about celebrating your journey, including you in the money conversation, empowering you to take control of your finances, and equalizing your position wherever you are. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal, financial, objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard to your objectives, needs and financial situation. Nathan Dabamone is proudly from the LGBTQ plus community and is of Singaporean, Indian and Scottish heritage. He found a place to flourish both at work and within his community. He's a project officer at NBN and is a growing voice within the corporate space on the importance of diversity and inclusion. This journey took him from Townsville to Melbourne, a move that required him to map out his career pathway and save for a year to give himself a strong financial foundation when he moved. Nathan will take us through his career planning, money preparation, and how to find an inclusive workplace for yourself so that you can flourish. Welcome to Your Money Story, Nathan. Yay, thank you, Dawn. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, Nathan, I am so thrilled that you could be on this episode because I think a lot of people would be able to use your story as a roadmap of how they can move forward and find a way to flourish in their workplace. Nathan, could you just tell us what you are doing right now? Yes, so um, like you said, I'm a project officer at MBN. So for the last about um, two years, I've been working on the actual rollout of the MBN network. So I first joined MBN in 2018 when it was still halfway through the rollout. Um, And I've done from then up until now where the rollout's been finished. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, uh, my job is basically um, looking at the upgrades of the network to make it faster, perform even better. Um, and I'm managing end-to-end with stakeholders um, and basically internal partners to get that done. That's the most simplified way I can say it without getting too technical. <laughs> okay. And we talked about the fact that you you feel a sense of flourishing in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share with our listeners why you mm-hmm. feel that about where you work? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing would be that um, MBN itself it has a really good culture for bringing your best self to work. So I guess in my instance, um, mm. as you mentioned, I identify as LGBTQ. So um, MBN actually has a very big diversity and inclusion policy um, and also a network for anything related under that. So there's um, a pillar for what I work in, which is Pride at MBN. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of diversity about um, LGBTQ. Um, you have Lea Kawana Group, which looks at First Nations, um, and then you have Equals, which looks at gender equality as well at MBN. So um, they are embraced quite a bit and there is a lot of activity that happens within all of them. So um, that's where I flourish as well, because I can be my best self at work and perform be my best self at work, basically. Your story is also really interesting in the way mm-hmm. that you are not always from Melbourne. You no. moved from Townsville. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what prompted you to make that move? Yeah, absolutely. so um, first and foremost, I guess what I wanted for a career um, wasn't happening in Townsville. Um, I've always wanted to work in a government sector, first and foremost. So a lot of my leaders um, at my workplace in Townsville, um, they did tell me that a lot of them were about 40 or 30, right? And they come from big cities like Melbourne, like Sydney, even Brisbane, and they all worked in government sectors where 
they had, in their in their opinions, they had their most development, and um, I guess a lot of their growth came from working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and where they ended up in towns were in high positions um, because they already had that um, experience. So in towns, it was quite hard to get that experience. Um, so that's the career side of it, really. Um, I really want to grow um, professionally, and I knew that I w- wasn't going to be able to do that in Townsville, unfortunately, with what I wanted to do. Um, the second part was just, um, I guess, like my identity there, as, as we've talked about being LGBTQ, there's not a really big LGBTQ community in Townsville. Um, I had a lot of friends who moved to um, both uh, Sydney and Melbourne, probably between me graduating to when I moved to ta- to Melbourne in 2017, and their experiences and their stories um, were a lot different to mine as an LGBTQ man. And when I would go and visit them, um, you know, I guess the people I would meet here were totally different to the ones I would meet in Townsville. Um, so I did feel like I wanted a bit more of a community and sense of belonging in a community than I did in Townsville. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. found... Would it be fair to say that you found your tribe and your community in Melbourne? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've 100%. Yeah, I've um, the circle I have now um, and the support network, especially that I have now in Melbourne, is um, it's so important to me, and it's um, it's 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 a lot bigger. It's definitely a lot more, I guess, um, inclusive than the one I had in Townsville. Yeah, okay. not to say that the people I had in Townsville weren't bad or anything, but it's just that it is a lot more. Um, open-minded and there's a lot more diversity in my support network here. In terms of being seen and valued by your employer, you know, Mm. I remember uh, when I actually felt seen and valued by someone quite high up in the CBA group. um, And it was actually, it it was an amazing feeling to just actually be, be seen for who I am and the gifts that I had to give. You know, when did that happen for you? What was that point that you realized, you know, you're truly being seen as someone that has the skills to do your job, but also for the fact that you're being celebrated because, you know, of, of your background. Yeah, I'll give you a really good example. So um, when, so I joined MBN in 2018 and immediately I joined their Pride Network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came in and I basically said to them, like, look, I would love to st- I would love to work in um, the aspects where we have to do more external facing things, such as having a stall at Mardi Gras, mm. having a stall at, you know, Midsummer here in Melbourne, um, because I wanted to challenge myself. I, f- I felt like one of the things I hadn't really done in a workplace was um, embrace my identity okay. um, and be able to celebrate that within a workplace. Right. So I really want to challenge myself with that. Um once I had set up these events and I, you know, actually was at the forefront of these events, talking to people in the community, you know, having a photo taken and then presenting it back to MBN to be posted on our internal channels, I had a lot of recognition from my senior leadership team. Mm. Um, so I had two senior leaders in um, specifically who celebrated a lot of my work and it basically... Um, it made me want to do it more and it made me want to go even above and beyond what I usually would, right? So um, I had a very good, so when I speak about these two, one of them, he was really good to me and he used to say to me, I want you to present something on diversity and inclusion, whether you want to speak about a topic, whether you want to speak about the work you've done, I want you to do a 10 minute presentation in our, um, we call them all hands meetings. And at the Mm -hmm. time it was about a hundred people who would attend and be watching these. So in front of 100 people, he would ask me, he's like, I would like you to present. And 
give an education and let people walk away and decide what they, they'd like to decide, basically. So, you know, I think one of them I spoke about what impacts uh, diversity and inclusion in a workplace will have. And I just, you know, gave really good examples. I gave scenarios. And then another one was um, he wanted me to present the work I'd done in Pride for the year of 2019. And that was a really good one as well. Um, and then the other senior leadership um, who sat underneath one of our very big um, executive management teams, um, we'd have a Monday meeting where he presented to our whole business unit, which is over 100 people, and he would give me call outs for the work I do on Pride as well. Mm. So having that sort of impact on me um, basically is, um, again, where I flourish, right? I, I've been celebrated for the work I do. Yeah. Um, the work I'm doing is seen as successful and it's just me embracing who I am and trying to basically send the message out that you can do the same as me and embrace who you are and still be celebrated and successful in the workplace, right? Yeah. I hope that, hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it's coming through. I think what you're saying yeah. is actually it's the meeting of two parties because you uh-huh. went out of your way to go, hey, this is something important for me. I, I'm, mm-hmm. going, I'm willing to do the work and actually step outside of a normal role mm-hmm. and then you were met by your employer and go hey we really appreciate what you're doing and mm-hmm. that's just fueling you to be able to continue to do what you do mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's the beauty of a collaborative relationship between employer and employee mm-hmm. when it works it can work quite well and you're yeah. you know you're, you're proof of that um, what advice do you have for a young person you know who who could be who could have been in your shoes four or five years ago, what advice would you have for them about how they can move forward to get to where you are? Um, step out of your comfort zone. I was I was stuck in my comfort zone for so long, to be honest with you, um, especially when I was in Townsville. Um, I moved to Melbourne and in my first year here in the company I was at, um, I always saw on the surface that they did a lot of, um, I guess, inclusion work, Um, where they celebrated um, LGBTQ, but I never really got involved. And, you know, in the first year Mm -hmm. there, they were doing, um, I think it was Wear Purple Day. And all it was was they wanted volunteers in the office to just um, hand out, like, the pins and the wristbands they sell. And I just put my hand up because I was like, okay, and I did it. And, you know, they came up to me and they're like, all right, here you go. And, you know, they just said, if someone asks, you know, what's this for? You know, this is all we're saying. And you're basically saying that it's to empower youth, um, it's to stop homophobia, et cetera, and then empower youth in general, whether it be in the workplace or just in life in general, um, who identifies LGBTQ. And I was like, okay. And then like, you know, I give out wristbands and stuff and people would ask, what's this for? And, you know, for me to say this out loud to someone I work with was a huge thing for me. Um, <laughs> and again, this is, this is what I mean. You're stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and, you know, on the other side of that, it might you know, professional career as well with what I do, I felt like I really need to start challenging myself. So, you know, the jobs I was working were quite um, entry level or associate level. I really want to start having more onus Mm -hmm. on me um, and I guess more, you know, I guess accountabilities fall on me in my day-to-day job. So I started challenging myself. I started being the one to put my hand up and do escalations, things like that. that's 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 my best advice to start challenging yourself early. Um, if you do it a little bit late, um, I guess that's fine as well. But it's better to get into the habit earlier on, right? That's mm-hmm. my opinion, and that's my advice. One of our other guests, uh, Lacey Filipich, who is the founder of Money School, uh, she she's very pro diversity and, and just shaking things up, right? She's mm. a bit of a warrior woman. Um, she was saying with you know diversity and inclusion, it doesn't matter how you've gotten into a role, but she said start a coup from the inside. <laughs> 
That's, mm-hmm. that's the way she says, right? Mm-hmm. That when you've been given an opportunity to um, have a role where you can make a change is to make that change. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you're saying is that um, you've embraced your opportunity full, fully, you know, mm-hmm. and you've gone into it wholeheartedly. But how important is it, Nathan, to have an employer that creates a safe environment for you to succeed? How important is that to the LGBTQ community? It's huge. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest factors you can have, to be honest with you. Um, so the senior leader I was talking about before, um, he uh, he did leave us, but you know I had a really me and him caught up regularly, and I remember we we're talking about the diversity, and he he said to me, he just goes, "If you take a step back, Nathan, do you see the team I've created?" And what he was trying to say was he made a very diverse team, and I guess you know if I. T- I never took a step back and saw that right, but the team he made was so diverse. And when I thought about it, the reason I felt so comfortable to do these presentations, Mm -hmm. to speak about myself as an LGBTQ man, um, or even just, you know, be around the office and be able to be comfortable speaking about having a boyfriend, things like that, is because he made that environment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just you don't realize it really. You just it just becomes yes. like oh yeah, I can I can do it. But in reality, um, my employer or my senior leader made this team. He made this safe space. It's 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 huge, right? If 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 you knew that you had to come to work and hold back a part of your identity, you yeah. wouldn't feel as comfortable, and I don't think you would be able to perform at the success you would like to, right? So um, no, I think it's huge. I think it's one thing that employers need to embrace. Um, I think employers need to start putting that in their diversity and inclusion plans as well for for their companies in their financial years. Um, make a safe space for your employees. Um, I find now that um, a good example is when we attend like Midsummer and Mardi Gras and people come up to us and see like MBN stall and go, oh, MBN's inclusive. It's It makes a big difference and it starts a conversation with them because they go, oh, now that I know that MBN is an inclusive employer, mm. I'm more likely to go apply for my postgrad job there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's stuff like that. I, I think I think that if you, especially if you advertise it, I feel like it's what is going to bring a lot of your future employees to your company as well. That's, yeah, that's what I think. Okay, so if we'll kind of break it out into two parts now. So if you are talking to any of our listeners who haven't found that place yet, Mm -hmm. what are some of the signs that a company that, um, what should they look out for? So if they're applying for a job, they're Mm -hmm. going through an interview process, you know, what are some of the things that that they should look out for to understand that that place is a good culture and would provide Mm -hmm. a safe space for them? Um, okay, there's a couple of things. Uh, first one, research it on their website. I've noticed that in very recent times, a lot of companies have put their diversity and inclusion policies on their actual careers websites. So if you look at major ones, like, um, you know, I, I looked at, I, I did it last year, actually, because I was comparing ours to others. And I looked at like major banks, most of them have them on there now. Um, a lot of just major corporations have them on there. Um, if you have LinkedIn, um, Look at their look at what they post and look around what they post around the days of significance as well. So whether it be um, International Day for Women, Ida Hobbit Day, Wear It Purple, um, Trans Visibility, um, look at all of that and see how they approach it and see what they do um, to contribute to it. I feel like that's a really big thing if you are looking for a inclusive um, em- employer, basically. Um, and the other thing is as well is. Um, 
word of mouth, going to the events, like I mentioned before, like Midsummer and Mardi Gras, there are so many companies and small businesses that put stalls there for that very reason to show you that they do have that sort of culture there. So um, that's my big my big advice. Um, I guess it's hard for those events. Obviously, they're very metro based. If you're regional, um, I think the first option would be the best view, right? Do your research online. That's 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 my best advice. Oh, those those are really good tips. What are your tips for employers? So let's say you've got one section that's your corporates, your bigger companies, and then you've mm-hmm. got your smaller businesses. What what kind of advice can you give them about how they can attract diversity through the lgbtq space really put it out there like put it out there that you embrace it um i see so many companies do write-ups to their employees now on places like linkedin uh speak to, i guess i guess if you're going to do it put it out there that you really want a safe space and you want an inclusive environment in your workplace mm. mention that you mentioned that your success has been driven by having a diverse team, things like that. I think that's the best way you can do it. Um, no one's going to know unless the managers, uh, the senior managers, the CEOs are the ones saying it. That's that's my best advice, really, because that's the only way you'll know. Like, MBN just did, um, for International Women's Day, they did a piece where it was multiple people of the business and it was like a daily post and it was people from all various roles. So senior leadership, CEO, you name it. And I feel like that was so, I think that that's going to have a huge impact because it's showing that many levels of the business are wanting diversity. They're wanting gender equality, things like that. Mm. You have to put it out there. That's, that's my best advice really. So wear your diversity like a flag and mean it. (laughs) So get out there. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. No, I, no, that, you, that's what you're saying like it's you yeah. know first of all mean it you know make, mean, make it. Sure exactly. mean it mean it. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you mean it you know shout it from the rooftops because people need to hear it you know <laughs> otherwise they're not going to know that that's a fantastic space for them to flourish mm. uh so yeah thank you for that insight um mm. nathan i want to drill down as well into your journey because mm-hmm. um i think it's quite a big move that you make from Townsville to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, how important was money management in that move, um, you know, to, to move away from your home and actually set up independence in another state? Um, yeah, it was huge. So moving from, you know, Townsville where the cost of living is not, not a lot, to be honest, it's quite cheap, to Melbourne, which was um, confronting. But it was, uh, no, I, um, I basically... It got to like end of 2015 and I sat down and like I said, I had these conversations with um, my leaders at the company I was at before, MBN. And, you know, they basically said to me, if you want to flourish, if you want to really build yourself up and get the experience, you need to move to these capital cities, try and get in the government sector because that's where we were most successful and that's where we got a lot of it. So I sat down. Um, the city I love the most in Australia is Melbourne, hands down. And I, I've known that for a while. So I said, I want to move to Melbourne. Um, I had a little bit of a base here as well. So that helped out as well. So I had a lot of familiarity with the place. Mm-hmm. And I basically sat down and looked at what average cost of living would be in the areas I want to live in. Because I knew that I was going to work in the CBD, number one, because that's where a lot of the offices are here. So I looked at prices for inner city within a five kilometer radius, um, average bill prices here. Um, Surprisingly, electricity was cheaper in Melbourne. Um, And I was like, oh, that's great. So (laughs) just things like that. So I did a big budget and basically went, okay, this is what my cost of living is going to be monthly. 
Um, to actually save there, I looked at, you know, obviously a plane ticket. Um, I decided to just pack two big suitcases and, you know, pack the essential clothes and stuff I needed. And anything later on that I wanted, I would just ship down in the back of a truck um, as backfill. And that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I did a really big budget plan. I remember seeing that with mum as well because mm-hmm. I asked her because mum and dad, they they moved overseas, you know, back in the 80s. So it was a huge move moving from one continent to another. So I asked like them as well some sort of questions about, you know, what did you forget? What did you remember? Um, and, yeah, I just had an idea of that. So I did a very big plan. I saved for about a year. Um, which is a bit of overkill, to be honest, but I just wanted to not only have the right amount of money to move there, but also have enough savings to have there as well for emergencies and, you know, just buying things out of the ordinary that I wouldn't think of the top of my head. So, yeah, big, big part of it. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because, Mm. you know, sometimes people just need to know what the first steps are. Uh, What Mm. you've outlined is that you had a good discussion at your workplace about what future mm-hmm. opportunities were as well. I think mm-hmm. it sounded like you worked out whether uh, you had worked out at that point that the culture was right for you. Um, mm-hmm. So you knew that, that that's where you wanted to stay. And then the next part of it was going, okay, how do I get myself to that opportunity? So you did wait a year to set yourself up so you had a good safety net. Um, so yeah, I think those are, are fantastic tips uh, for people to just kind of work out, okay, maybe talk to your employer first you know, find out what the pathway is, start putting your savings plan together so that you can make that move. And like you said, emergencies as well, because something's come up that you don't um, mm. foresee. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that, Nathan. Nathan, we're also going to move on to, you know, how your community is feeling as well. Um, mm-hmm. I identify with that sense of wanting equality as as being a woman, being a brown woman, Um and also for my kids, if if they identify themselves as being part of the LGBTQ community, I, I want to be able to celebrate and embrace them, uh, you know. So within your community, there's been a lot that has happened in recent years, particularly the marriage equality debate. How, how has that affected the community? During the, the year of that, which is 2017, yeah, it was it's 2017, um, I guess a lot of people dealt with it differently whilst it was happening and after the yes vote passed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, during it was really hard um, for everyone. I remember, so me and my friends who identify, you know, if we called up for our dinners or we called up for anything, we'd have a rule where we'd talk about it for 10 minutes and stop. Okay. Because um, it, it got really hard. I did a I did sort of a social media ban on myself for a day. So, oh, sorry, not a day. So every day I would only go on social media, so Facebook at the time for about maybe an hour because it's all that the media, like especially the major media outlets, it's all they want to post about, I found every day. And it was always, a, the one thing that the media want to do was post a lot of the right-wing opinions. They never really want to post the ones for, um, uh, for, the, for the left-wing, you know, saying yes let's pass it so you always saw the really awful opinions you look at the comment sections and it's just a whole bunch of people just basically saying that i didn't deserve the same rights as them which i found very Mm -hmm. strange um so it was really hard and then afterwards um when it passed it was great obviously um you know me and my friends were at the state library when they announced it we all cried it was gorgeous but um, I guess afterwards, um, there, there is still a bit of a lasting effect with some people. Um, you know, as we're seeing now, 
there's the religious discrimination bill um, unfortunately that still lingers around um, and it still looks to oppress our community unfortunately so mm -hmm. I feel like there's still leftover trauma I want to say there is um, you know with me the work I do especially at MBN and even just outside of MBN you know uh, for LGBTQ I feel like if people continue to do that there is going to be more there's going to be people uh, there's going to be people more on the side um you know against against the people who are against equality right um i feel like there needs to be more voices and platforms especially for those within our trans community because i feel like the trans mm -hmm. community have been impacted so much in very recent times um people of color in our community as well obviously with black lives matter and recently um you know the Asian hate crimes that are happening, mm -hmm. which is really awful. Um, I feel like there is going to be a bigger push to stop the sort of people who are um, against the quality, right? What I like to do is with my platform, you know, I always say that we can't always focus on the G and LGBTQ, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, right? Mm -hmm. So in the, last, in the last year, especially with the work I've done in Pride at MBN, I've always just said we need more, there's, there needs to be more intersectionality now. Um, we've got the yes vote, but there are still people being oppressed in our community, which is really awful. So, you know, we had, um, for, for last year, we had um, Wet Purple Day and we had Rick McCoy speak with us. And he is uh, a queer man who identifies within the Indigenous community here in Australia, right? Those are the sort of platforms we need at the moment, because unfortunately, they're the ones who are getting oppressed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and they're the ones who probably have a more more leftover trauma than, let's say, me. Um, at the moment, right? It sounds like there's a lot to be done. Um, yes, there is. Just, yeah, just like how um, with women's rights as well, there's a lot oh, to absolutely. be done. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and I think you you pointed out something that was really important in that as well about giving, you know, greater visibility to the different groups that sit within the community as well. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that has been um, a criticism, let's say, of even International Women's Day movements and and, and things like that is, you know, you're capturing one component of that group, but mm -hmm. women are not the same. Are you supporting women of color? Are you supporting indigenous mm -hmm. women? Are you supporting trans women? You know, so mm -hmm. that we, we need to support a lot more people. Like we're not there yeah. yet, no. but keep on, keep on just supporting these groups because they need it. Um, they need it. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier as well, that diversity is just going to help everyone. You know, you're going to flourish yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So what would your advice be to the community at large? You know, you talked about the employer space, but what would your advice be or challenge to the community around how um, the LGBTQ community can be supported better? I think there needs to be a lot more looking out for each other under the rainbow, if that makes sense. So mm. like I mentioned before, all the letters, um, it can't just be us looking at like it can't just be I identify as a gay man right I can't just be looking out for gay men only I need to be looking out like I said before for everyone underneath that rainbow I feel like I feel like at times there unfortunately is just a emphasis on I guess what would be the most mainstream which is um you know the white gay man right mm -hmm. um because it's true a lot of companies will just use the white gay man on their when it's pride time whether it be um february here for mardi gras or over in america it's june um it has been called out and it has i have seen it mainly stop now which is really good but it used to just be you know two white gay guys on the front there wouldn't be a trans there wouldn't be a trans woman or a trans man um there wouldn't be a person of color who's queer things like that right i feel like 
there needs to be more representation to start the conversations and start that sort of mindset. Um, I've challenged myself on that quite a bit in the last, um, I want to say last two, three years, right? Because um, I have I have a lot of friends who, um, you know, are part of those groups. And I have uh, people in the community here in Melbourne who I know who are trans or queer people of colour as well. And just having their insight and hearing their experiences um, is what makes me go, right, I need to change the mindset. I need to start also challenging other people's mindsets because that's the only way it's going to change. For women as well, like you said before, and I'm glad you mentioned it, International Women's Day, I want to see more representation of women of colour, uh, women who are trans. Mm -hmm. It's something that needs to happen because we have to include all its diversity. Um, for us to push forward as a community, um, and I guess eventually, you know, the, the gorgeous day where equality is just normal, we don't even have to have diversity and inclusion policies. To get there, we need to really represent everyone, not just one singular platform, which is, like I mentioned before, usually the capital G usually a white person, right? We need to do, we're sorry, we need to represent everyone. Nathan, you're so well-spoken. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> I can see that you put yourself out there. How mm. do you protect yourself against people who may not be so receptive of what you have to say? Um, I've really learned to just uh, water off a duck's back, basically. Um, in recent times, uh, I want to say in the last, you know, doing this work for, doing the work for Pride at MBN and being in such a huge corporate environment, I've really learned that all you can do is educate and it's up to the people if they want to pick it up and want to learn more or if they just want to leave it alone. I know that there are people out there who will always be, um, homophobic or there'll be prejudice, right? I'm happy to put the education out there. I'm happy to educate and not force it down someone's throat because at the end of the day, it is up to the individual. So um, that's that's honestly that's honestly where I where I stand these days. Um, I don't like to get wound up in it. Don't get me wrong, if I see something awful from a politician put out there, like, you know, the comments we saw this week with uh, Scott Morrison and um, the protests um, happening for March for Justice, you know, of course I'm going to speak and be like, that's awful, why would you say that? Um, but when it comes to someone who wants to be educated or if someone does say something hurtful um, against my community or any community, <clears throat> I will always say, you know, that's not right, this is why. If they choose to not pick it up, then they choose not to pick it up. End of, this, end of story for me. Um, so that's it. I don't like to get it get, I don't, I don't like to let it get to me too much um, because at the end of the day, I know there are plenty of people out there who do share the same values um, and opinions as me as well. It, it takes a lot to put yourself in that position. Um, mm -hmm. And I think our listeners can be forgiven if they think that that nothing challenging happens your way because you're just so really so well-spoken and articulate about what's happening. Um, so I think that protecting your sense of self and protecting your emotional well-being is really important through this. And it, it sounds like you found a way to manage that. For younger members of the rainbow community, let's say they're they're really young, what, what's your challenge to their parents? You know, so as parents, what's the best thing you can do to support your kids through that? Um, embrace who they are. Um, I had my upbringing was really good. Uh, no, that's so general. Sorry. My upbringing was like my, I feel like my, uh, my identity and the way that my parents brought me up was really good because the expectations from my parents was that I could be whoever I wanted to be. 
Bryant. Um, so I could be, you know, I could be in the main, I could be in our living room and I put on uh, Mariah Carey's greatest hits. My parents wouldn't blink an eye. They just like, whatever. Um, or like, I don't know, like you would know there's photos of me when I was like five and I'm wearing like my sister's togs, which had a skirt thing on it. And I'd be in the pool. Right. Mm-hmm. And my parents like there's photos, like mom and dad took photos of me and it's in our photo albums. And dad like shared one on his Facebook two years ago for my birthday. And I'm just like, and I'm like, you took that photo. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, just be accepting of you, be accepting of your children, basically. Um, embrace who they are. If if your child comes up to you and says, I want to go to, here's a good one. If your child comes up to you and goes, I really want to watch RuPaul's Drag Race on TV. <laughs> I always see them on there and they look really pretty. Just let them, obviously there's some swearing and stuff, but obviously, you know, sit there and watch it with them. After you watch it with them, talk to them about why they like it. Talk to them what they like the most about it. Ask them, you know, is this is this something that you want to continue watching? Is there other things that relate to it that you might want to continue watching? I don't know. Just have have good conversations with your children. You don't have to be upfront, obviously. They're still children. But at the same time, you know, embrace what they want to do. Embrace who they want to be. Um, especially when it gets to, you know, that age of... I want to say like 10, 11, you know, when they're about to become teenagers, really just like have a good, have conversations with them. It doesn't have to be upfront, but just ask them what they like, embrace what they want to do. That's the best thing you can do. Cause I think that's why I am like what I am. My parents never really questioned what I liked, what I was into, especially as a teenager. They sort of just let me, they just let me enjoy what I want to enjoy. It was pretty, it was pretty good. And that's the reason why I'm so relaxed. That's the reason why I'm so as you as you say, I put myself out there and I'm not afraid to because I've just never been I've never been challenged not to by them. You know what I mean? It's it's the best thing I can I can give for advice for parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're doing amazing things for your community, Nathan. And um I really I really appreciate the way that you're tackling it because people have to be visible and people have to be out there. So, you know, someone else knows that it's possible. Um, And I hope that if we've got listeners in that boat or you've got kids that are in that boat, um, that they can also connect up to you. I'm sure they can find you on LinkedIn um, and, and, you know, maybe flesh out your story even more. Um, (laughs) Do you have any resources that are really important for young people in your situation to just help them Mm -hmm. navigate their way forward? Yep. Um, So professionally, um, ACON is really good. So um, a lot of companies now work with Pride and Diversity. Um, They're amazing. They're a great resource for just information for anyone who identifies um, within the workplace um, and wants to, I guess, have more information about how to be themselves in the workplace. They are really good to reach out to. there's also um, you have a lot of resources like minus 18 as well Um, so we we do fundraising for minus 18 we did it um, last year I believe Um, they're just a very good resource Um, if you're in a I I feel like as well um, if you watch a lot of of the international syndicated shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff things like that they always give out a lot of really good local groups and um, I guess uh, worldwide groups as well that do a lot of work for youth who are LGBTQ. Um, I guess the biggest one, one of the biggest ones we've seen was Pony Ellen DeGeneres show, which is Wear It Purple. They're fantastic. Um, so reach out to reach out to them individually. They have a contact us form, things like that. Um, that's, that's my best tip really. A lot of the information I got when I first started was honestly from online resourcing. It's, it's the best thing. 
if you work in a corporate environment and there's already a pride network there, reach out to them, reach out to people you feel comfortable to. I, I've had people reach out to me before um, while, I, while I've been in the pride um, networks here in my company. So um, that's that's the other thing as well. It's, it's really up to you, but I feel like now, especially there are a lot of avenues and resources you can have, um, especially if you're someone who identifies in the workplace. Since mm-hmm. you've brought up RuPaul a few times. <laughs> yeah. I didn't initiate this. Only a couple. Only a couple. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> because I, I'm a big fan, as you know as well, just yes, because yes. I found my own sense of um, being able to claim who you are through RuPaul's Drag Race. That's that's what I found. And I feel sure. that when I go into work, when I want to be a warrior woman, that's what I do. I put on my drag and I go to work and mm. I slay. Who do you think is going to win season 13? Simone. I think Simone's excellent. That's it. Yeah, just Simone just exudes black excellence and her drag is creative and just so well put together. So I'm going to say Simone. Okay. Listeners, mm. we've got Nathan's pick. And if you haven't watched RuPaul's Drag Race, it's one of the best <laughs> things ever. <sighs> and you're is. lucky that's now there's like a million seasons of it. So you'll oh, be able so much. to yeah. yeah, you can catch up. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Nathan. Um, Thank I'm you. sure a lot of our listeners would have gained insight but also tips um, from your journey Um, and I really look forward to everything that you're going to do in your space thank you so much and thank you for having me as well I really appreciate it thank you for joining our circle of stories subscribe for new episodes let's change how the story ends